Hello and welcome to the SBS Cycling Podcast for the week of the 3rd of September 2015, your weekly review of all things cycling. I'm Al Hines. This week on the show, the Vuelta's second week of racing sees a Colombian, a Dutchman and an Italian in the race lead to say nothing of rampaging motos and a rather displeased Peter Sagan. Michael Rogers finally gets his 2004 Olympic medal only 11 years late after the IOC have finally agreed to reassign the podium. But is this a satisfying result for the sport or a job half done? And Australia announces its team for the Richmond World Championships with a view to delivering a couple of those vaunted rainbow jerseys to the green and gold. Uh... And with me this week, it's uh, a couple of the regulars, Anthony Tan and Phil Gomes. Hello, Al. Uh, hello, Tanny. Hello. Hello. And uh, Phil, how are you? You good? Yeah, yeah. You, you were ill, but now you're, you're good. I'm, I've recovered uh, somewhat from this malaise that's mm. been affecting the entire nation of Australia. Yeah, the old uh, bubonic man flu plague. Mm-hmm. Did you get a flu shot? No, 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 me neither. No, but I'm, I'm, I'm thinking now that uh, in in the future after this, I'm, I've been really sick in about ten years, and yeah, this just really knocked me down, knocked me out. But I'm kind of thinking, yeah, maybe next time around, I think I'm gonna get the flu shot, get the or flu maybe, shot. maybe just a shot. Although they do, they do just say that if you, shot. I thought they say, mm. I think they say if you get the flu, then you don't necessarily need one the year after because you then you've got that. Mm-hmm. Whatever. Yeah. Um, and if you don't get the flu shot, people, and then you get sick, people go, oh, just shoot me. Yeah. Mm. So to speak. Yeah. With the flu shot. But anyway. Yeah. Uh, We're back in business. We are, mate. We missed you last week. It was just me and Tanny. Although we had Michael O'Reilly, who was always, who's always good fun. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think he's in he's Netherlands. Home. Yeah. Netherlands what? at the moment. Yeah. What a body. Good Is it at a Posting. bike summit? Yeah. I think it's some yeah. junket he got. So yeah, he's yeah, loving yeah. life. Yeah. He's, yeah. he's got his touring bike and he's posting photos of cycling infrastructure uh, like absolute. a total cycling infrastructure uh, nerd geek uh, absolutely. is he in yeah. Amsterdam is he yeah or something or man. maybe Copenhagen yeah. or something no, actually probably yeah. Amsterdam yeah, yeah. yeah. he's yeah. loving life uh, anyway we, we should we should uh, get into it guys uh, he is having a good time um, but uh, lots of action from the Vuelta España third grand tour of the year we've had uh, six stages since last we had a podcast and a rest day and Fabio Ru is the overall leader of the race after last night's uh, pretty strong performance in, in that ridiculous mountain stage. I, I did quite enjoy, I think, Robbie McEwen's tweet about it. He said, oh, it's good they've got that uh, sprint point at 127 <laughs> kilometres. You know, so, something to a carrot for the sprinters, you know. <laughs> um yeah, but uh, I wouldn't. He said that I think him and Baden Cook had quite a nice little to and fro on Twitter talking about how that's basically the kind of day that you'd never want to see as someone who uh, enjoys the flatlands. But uh, mm. Tanny highlighted the last six days. We've seen lots of different winners, and uh, Chavez was in the lead obviously for a bit, and then Tommy Dumoulin held the jersey, but a uh, fair bit of different action going on. Yeah, I'd say the highlight for me has to be Dumoulin holding on to the to the lead. I mean, he's this guy who's defying all odds. Uh, I don't maybe with the time trial late in the piece, if he if he doesn't hurt himself too badly, he he can maybe finish on the podium. I think that for me that would be he would be the revelation of the Volta. Uh, and 
I know you didn't ask for a low light, but just for me, it's just the, the farcical events just continue and uh, it really detracts from the the attention which should be directed towards the race. You just can't help ever since the, the beach starts, <laughs> uh, Nibali's uh, expulsion, uh, then, you know, Paulino <clears throat> getting knocked off by... Um, oh, Saga and then Paulino. Yeah, Saga. And, you know, I, I just find it so hard to actually, you know, be interested in the race, even though there is a race going on. Mm. Uh, Gomi, you've been following it pretty... Astutely yeah. yourself. Yeah. Thoughts and, and on it, it's interesting that you mentioned Dumoulin. You mentioned the time trial stage seventeen, because Dumoulin. Like if you look at the if you look at the top ten, mm. any of the uh, say the riders who are in with a shot of actually finishing on the podium, the only guy the only guy there with any time trial chops is Dumoulin. Yeah. Everyone else literally can't ride themselves out of a paper bag if they're riding against the clock. Yeah. Um, if he's within a minute of Aru. On game by stage on. 17, game it's on. game on. Total game on for him. The other guy that's really interesting to me is, uh, well, first of all, uh, we should point out that within the top, uh, within uh, shooting range of Aru, there's seven guys within two minutes. This race is not over. No, no, no. Right? Not with the way it's it's gone so far this year. Um, so it's not over. So you've got uh, you've got Perito, uh, Dumala, Micah, Chavez, Valverde, uh, Moreno, uh, Nieve, and then Quintana at three minutes, which you reckon is over for him, but you should never know. And then Menches from South Africa in the, to- in the top ten. Of those, I reckon, you know, anyone down to uh, Valverde can still um, can still land that podium yep. spot. Very, very. So. Up, it's a very open race. Uh, let's. We'll get into it a bit more <clears throat> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. just after this, and we'll talk about. Uh, some of the finer talking points of the last six days of racing. Well, uh, we already did touch on it, but uh, <laughs> perhaps the world has been defined, Tanny, as you say, by its uh, farce more than its uh, class. I'm not sure what the uh, <laughs> opposite of farce there would be, but uh, uh, the Moto Madness shenanigans, let's start with that. Tinkoff Saxo. Oleg Tinkoff uh, made his complaints public with a, a few statements on the Twitters, and I think Tinkoff itself released a public statement after first Sagan was was smashed, probably in a stage-winning position, I would go so far as to say, and then uh, later in the race we just had Sergio Paulinho. It seems, it does seem like these, these sort of events are happening a lot more than they used to. Is that is that just sort of bias in terms of, you know, you always think that the present seems more magnified than normal, but I don't know. To me, these things are happening more and more. Is it because we've got more vehicles on the road? What, what's going on? Less experienced riders or...? I don't think the riders are less experienced. I almost feel that we're trying to... The TV is trying to capture more of the race. They're trying to get closer to the riders. They're, they're following them so closely. You, you notice that stage overnight they were following them so closely on their wheel i just think what's the point i mean the cameras can zoom in so there's no need for the the motorbikes to do as such i don't i mean they're they're, and then they're not going to get really a different perspective by getting closer i i just feel uh i feel for the riders because they're not being treated seriously by 
neutral uh, well but really by the race organizers mm. yeah, because it's their one they're the ones who throw out the mandate to say saying to the camera crews oh we, we need to get more and uh, with I mean real really they're responsible also for the neutral service as well at the race Jamie? yeah it's it's twofold um, one is it seems that there are more motos and you're right I think they're everyone's trying to get as close to the action as possible. Um, but it's uh, the, the other aspect of this has to do with uh, with course design and the kind of roads that they're racing on. Um, I remember reading Marco Pinotti's book, uh, The Professor, and he talked mm. about the fact cycling that... Cycling professor. Cycling professor, sorry. Yeah. Um, uh, he talked about how it was becoming increasingly difficult to find good open distance training roads. The old, All the old roads he grew up with as a, as a young rider in, become tighter. They've got more street furniture and stuff like that. So now we're starting to see that. So it's getting harder and harder for race organizers to find good courses that have not much in the way of street furniture that are in cities, and then you want to pack team cars, motos, all that infrastructure, mm. additional infrastructure to broadcast a race and to run a race into that increasingly tight space. Um, and then something's got to give. And I think this is what we're seeing this year for the first time in a serious way. Uh, it's just coincidental that it's... Uh, it's two it's in the, the same team. Two in the same team. And it's coincidental that uh, that it's motos. I'm surprised there's not there aren't many more inc- incidents. Well, there are probably incidents we don't hear of, of team cars, you know, hitting right, knocking riders well, over. Well, we, we have and, had know. that a few times this year. I mean, it's actually, yeah. it's actually been a pretty bad year for convoy uh, stuff. Stuff because yeah. uh, I think it was at Tour, there was a, a bike ridden over and it was very yeah. lucky. I think the Francais de Jure rider just escaped something. And the Classics, mm. I think the same thing happened. Uh, one thing I would maybe like to throw in as well, uh, Phil, just to add to your points, would be uh, this race, and this was something I was talking about just before with uh, Catherine, the Tour de France producer. Uh, this year's race, and I think it's the same with the Tour even, is particularly um, uh, hard in terms of the logistics. Uh, I think you've got, to, you've got to take into account the fact that the travel for the media caravan... Uh, is probably up there with probably one. It's probably the biggest amount of travel I think I've seen in quite some time in terms of the, the transfers from the first and second week and the second and third week. It's it, it, it and all that sort of extra travel means yeah. that there's let guys are sleeping less yeah. and all that sleep less sleep. Well, it uh, concertinas and suddenly you've got guys maybe who aren't concentrating as much as they should and that can create incidents as well. Did you did you see that Nikki Terpstra Strava the transfer? I didn't say that. Yeah. So he pop, popped that up. Um, temperature, distance, speed, et cetera. It ended up being like a three, almost a 300-kilometer transfer. So know, he might have like... taken a few KOMs in, in, inadvertently with that <laughs> on one. <the> team bus. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, does uh, – just back to you, Phil, on, on just finally on this. Does Do you think Tinkoff has is, – is there a place for teams to go back to race organisers and say, what the F? Because um, – Yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, it's, it's – I, I think – in Sarge's case, just, particularly, you yeah, have to yeah. say he was almost denied yeah, a stage. Uh, look, I watched that stage, and as far as I'm concerned, you know, we know the way these races play out. It looked to me like Sagan was going to win that in a canter. Um, <laughs> I've just written a blog about Oleg, right? About this thing after overnight with Paulino and the fact that uh, you know now they're threatening to pull the team out. Um, good luck with that, right? I just don't think that that's going to happen. Not with Micah in fourth place overall and fifth place overall chance to chance the podium. Um, the, the problem for me has to do with the officious nature of the way 
organizations like the Vuelta and the IOC deal with these incidents, hmm. right? They ask so much of the riders. We ask so much of the riders. And then something like this happens. And then you do something really ridiculous, like slapping Sagan with a 300, with franc, a 300 franc fine, franc fine hmm. right, for for just, you know, really losing it, losing it. I mean, you would lose it. I mean, I'm sorry, but I'd lose it. Right. I mean, you know, th that whole scene with Sagan was just like, you know, chalk flew up, you know, the ball yeah, was out. Yeah. It was a whole McEnroe thing. And, you know, but the ball was out. <laughs> the ball was out. And, you know, so he loses it. And then they slap him with a fine. And I'm just thinking, man, that's just some serious indignity there. And these organizations, if, if they hadn't done that, I reckon we'd be a little bit further along and, and things wouldn't be as, as bad as they are. But that, to me, that just not only did it enrage think of and everyone else it enraged me i thought it was complete it's, bullshit it's salt in the wound yeah, yeah for sure um let's let's move on because i think that i think that's potentially is still boiling a bit and we, we'll see if it simmers down or if it continues up oh, i think it could have been <coughs> mitigated to some extent with an apology like <laughs> saying sorry can do wonders mm. and they never did that i just i can't stand aso at the moment uh, because most but, people think uh, Volta is still run by Unipublic, but no, it's 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 pretty much owned by ASO, and I just find their hubris but, excruciating. But, but don't we see this? I mean, we we understand this from even at the low, even at a low level when we're racing. I mean, the Blue Blazer crowd, right? Are so monumentally officious over absolutely everything. Mm. You know, I mean, we have we have rules in cycling over sock height for fuck's sake. Excuse mm. me, sorry for for God's sake, <laughs> cut that out. Um, <laughs> right, or you can just bleep it. Bleep. Uh, <laughs> right. So, so you know, we've we've got we've got these kinds of rules about sock height and everything else, and it's like it's this officiousness, right? When you've got guys really just giving everything they've got, um, that really I think enrages people. And mm. it, it continues to enrage me as well. The sport's dangerous enough, I think. Yeah. That's my my point. Um, Chris Froome and uh, Naira Quintana both finished well outside, uh, well, what, where we'd probably expect them to be finishing. Uh, they look like they're probably out of contention after having said that, I suppose, that in joining Vincenzo Nibali, probably two, three of the, the premier riders at the race now no longer in the running, would you say? I mean, Froome... Doesn't he looks like he may even abandon? Uh, and Quintana, I don't know, maybe a stage win, but it seems unlikely. Yeah, I mean, when Froomey's struggling on a climb, it just looks so ugly. When he's doing well on a climb, it looks ugly, but it's ugly. It just looks he... uglier. Yeah, <laughs> uh, ugly squared. I, you know, I don't want to say I told you so, Al, but I did. I remember saying quite definitively in the podcast last week. You know, I'd. I'd, uh, I was um, always questioning their ability to, to hang tough. I thought in the third week, they're, they're already letting go in the second week. We're at stage 11. Uh, and, okay, it was the most difficult stage of the race, but it goes to show you just it can't be done. Uh, and and this, will now set, this will set a precedent in stone for sure, not just the Giro Tour, Tour but Tour the Tour Walter. Walter. Yeah, I think, I think uh, when we look back on, on this year, uh, that's the one thing I think will be confirmed for everyone mm. is that any of those doubles, it's pretty well off the cards. For it's rider, trouble. It's trouble, right? So um, you look at Aru, fresh as a daisy, right? You look at uh, Dumala. Right. Especially he crashed after the out, rest day. Right. Dumala crashed out crashed right. out at the tour, so he didn't have to race a full tour. And yep. he looked on fire at the tour, by the way. Yeah. Um, so he's carried that form through. 
Um, Rodriguez, basically, from the day one of the tour, he sat up. And all he cared about was, was stage wins, and he picked up two. He did absolutely no work after that. That was it. So mm. he saved himself for, for the Vuelta. Um, so, you know, it's, you, look at the, you look at these guys, and you just go, yeah, you've seen guys just getting shelled because they've just got nothing left in their legs. Well, the, so. since the Vuelta was moved <clears throat> out of its position in the spring uh, to its now current position in the late summer, autumn, uh, it's never been done, the hmm. tour Vuelta double. Yeah. So uh, I think... We can almost say now it probably will never be done. If, so, if a guy like Chris Froome is is really struggling as he has been, if a guy like Contador can't do it, uh, even with a valiant effort at the tour, and even Quintana looks not as good as he, you know, he, as we know he can be, you start to think, well, this is pretty much a case closed in terms of the investigation. And, and, and if somebody does do it, we're going to point the finger. Well, yeah. I mean, that's. Yeah. I suppose that's the flip side as well. If you start to raise raise your eyebrows for people that are pulling out bigger performances yeah. than we expect, and, and I think what's important is watching is watching guys who aren't even at the front of a race. That you know, GC guys, you know, guys who are workers, guys who may finish in the top twenty, mm. they're struggling as well. So that's a good sign. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. It's a good sign to see that pretty well the entire peloton who raced the tour are struggling at the Vuelta and vice versa with if, with the guys who raced the Giro in the Tour. It's really good to see them suffer. I love it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, if, actually, that's the thing about cycling, isn't it? It's yeah. like, you know, if you know that the riders are hurting and you can see them hurting, you kind of go, oh, yeah, I feel better about oh, this race. Yeah, 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 yeah. Birdie's, Birdie's not pulling the pistol as much as he used to. <laughs> no. Speaking about Birdie, though, I mean, I think the door was just a little We weren't jar, speaking about Birdie. Um, because people said, oh, it's because of his age that he qu- he can't do the double. But now with Froome at 30 years old, not being able to do the um, the tour of Walter double, you go, okay, it's, it's just the double's just not possible. <laughs> no. um, we did mention this at the start of the podcast, but Tommy Dumoulin... Uh, Got to make note of the fact that he's had a spectacular Vuelta to date and, and a spectacular year. I'd go so far as to say it's been his a breakout year. He was way back at the Tour Down Under. He was right up there, finished fourth overall. Um, probably people don't necessarily put as much credence into that result, but it has foreshadowed a really good year. Third at the Tour of Swiss. Um, obviously, as you pointed out, uh, Gomi missed out on doing anything at the Tour because of that crash early on which probably scuttled, I would say, a top 10, maybe even higher finish. Um, and now we're seeing just how good he can be at the he's, Welter. He's, he's, uh, if he keeps going the way he's, gonna, he's going right now, he's, gonna, he's looking like, a, like a, say, a TJ Van Garden, right? So he's a guy yep. that should be able to finish top 10 GC as long as the race has a good, solid TT in it. He's actually, he's, well, he's a better time trollers than Van Garderen. So, yeah, I just think uh, for him to just lose a minute and 37 seconds or thereabouts on the hardest stage of the race with 50 metres short of 5,000 metres climbing, I think he still went with a shot, not just of a podium, but he could win. He could win. win. It's actually uh, one thing I would also like to say about Dilmaline is it's encouraging to see... um, Guys of all physiologies, uh, physical you know types. Uh, you know, Froome's quite tall and lanky. Dumoulin's probably a, a bit of a more of a nuggety guy, but still quite tall. Quintana's obviously very small. Aru Chavez small. Chavez small. You know, it, it, I think it reflects okay, power to weight, 
if you can produce, you know, that much and hold it, you can still do well at a grand tour. I think we're moving away from the idea of, um, I don't know, an EP overfueled sort of hmm. Induran or well, Reese, Bjarne Reese type style rider, really big guys um, who are obviously too big, producing ridiculous amounts of wattage. I think you're seeing a variety of different styles of, of rider, which is probably encouraging for the health of the sport. Yeah, although Dumoulin, <laughs> you say that, Dumoulin did remind me the way he climbed and he was just passing riders on just in the last 7K. I mean, you know, he, he brought back Quintana, then Chavez could he attacked Chavez attacked him then he brought him back or it was he, he was doing a diesel rain s in the way he, yeah, he he's, rode he's, up he's the a he's a diesel he's a mm. diesel rider and i think he, yeah. you know you're going to see him get dropped and then hopefully just kind of wind it back slowly he's kind of got a bit know, of a wiggins esque so. maybe that could be a good parallel in the more modern era you know quite a good time trialist mm. just yeah. long diesel type climbing mm. yeah um, but he was very impressive the other day especially on that really steep 4k finish uh, I think it was stage the seven. The one he won. He attacked a little early and, yeah. He was very, very impressive uh, for a guy that is quite quite a big guy. Oh, are we um, we getting a quick word in for uh, little Chavez? Yeah, no, let, yeah, I was going to mention that just before we move on. Uh, Esteban, he's now just outside the podium, but... Uh, he, he, you know, he's had a fantastic race. Two stage wins and, I mean, I think... Really, if he can sort of keep his position in the top five, we'd be very happy this with is, his welter. So it's just interesting watching him just grow in this race. I mean, you, you know, you can sort of you saw, saw it at the start of the year. You know, there were signs that he, you, he'd really improved and taken a step up. I think this race is confirmation that he has. Um, he's still got, what, another two, three years before he really hits his prime physically? As a rider? Mm. You know, okay, he's a little bit behind the curve. Guys like um, Quintana... Like Quintana but it uh, looks like he's starting to, he's already pulling his way up to that standard now. So, yeah, yeah. And uh, in four <coughs> or five years' time, OGE is going to have a pretty solid tour, orient, like Grand Tour oriented team. Yeah. Unless they lose all their They riders. lose them. <laughs> That's right. Unless they use, lose the Yates and, and, you know, BMC buys them out for a billion bucks. Well, this is the this is definitely the, the only problem with them. I think, as I, I've written a blog about this kind of... It's published, it's online. Yeah. Uh, Chavez, the Yates, is I think are probably the biggest transfer targets after this year. I think they've all got contracts till the end of 2016. But um, those guys are going to see their price tags really explode um, and I wonder whether OGE can retain all of them. I, I I think maybe they can but it depends. The eights, you think? Well, I think, I think the thing is, and this is what I've sort of said in the blog is, okay, if the Yates leave, okay, everyone thinks, okay, they'll go to Sky or something like that, they'll get given a billion dollars to go there. I, I think Yes, if money is the only motivator, yes, they will go. But if they're thinking probably about what results they can achieve or what opportunities they can get in their career, I think go to Sky next, go to Sky in 2017 and what, be third or fourth fiddle? I don't know. I think we've seen that exact thing play out with someone like Richie Port. And uh, I don't know. I Yeah, I think there's, though, there's our... Uh, I agree with you up until the point that you mentioned Port because there's a... There's certainly a strong bias for local riders. I mean, you've seen Grant Thomas, you know, Brailsford's talking him up all the time now. He wasn't doing that, you know, MTM 
Kubeka wanted to borrow him for a season this season. The loan uh, agreement, yeah. Uh, they, they, they refused to do that. Um, so, you know, clear, clearly, you know, and then their their mandate was when they created the team to have the first British rider to win the Tour de France. OGE never did that, although I think, um, yeah, I, I see them, you know, grooming Haig. I think it's good for Haig, people like Haig to... And Power. Robert Powell to learn under guys like the Yates and Chavez when as they grow. So that's the good thing. Uh, I think it's only it's inevitable that, uh, but the Yates will go and Chavez, yeah, he'll he'll go where money money go uh, money talks. We'll see. I guess. Mm. I mean, he's still a poor man's Nara Quintana. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. no, you know what. I mean, come on. Have you he's guys got been a watching? better. He's got a better smile. Have you guys though. been? Wa- have you guys been watching those backstage passes? Yeah. Right. He, oh, he man. seems to be pretty that, comfortable. That though, kid. G. That that kid is. He's. You know, my 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 partner. She because she hadn't seen him before, and um, you know she doesn't really follow cycling that closely. And I said, nah, just have a look at this, and she's just going, man, that kid has got some charisma. Right. Yeah. So that's that's. I mean, he's pushing this stuff out. And it, it, it resonates with people. I mean, he's always got a smile on his face, no matter how much he's hurting. And, you know, post-race, he just seems like a, a terrific fit with OGE. Um, you know, they, it, it's, it's really quite remarkable to, 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 to just see how, yeah. how relaxed. And, and I, I think you know, OGE will put a lot into keeping him at yeah, the team. Yeah. I think maybe the Yates is maybe, maybe you're right, Tony, that could be a bridge too far because mm. Sky will throw the kitchen sink at them. But... Uh, I think Chavez. I don't know. You do get a sense that he likes riding he, with them. He looks. He looks like a total fit with OG. Total yeah. fit. Yeah, and he's praising the team hmm. so much. Or you know, he loves everyone. He loves. Hmm. He even loves Neil Stevens. Yeah, he loves me. He's never uh, met me. Stevo speaks Spanish, I suppose. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Good point. Uh, yeah. Okay, guys, yeah. let's uh, let's move away from La Vuelta. Oh, something I should point out, by the way. Yep. Robert Power is at the Vuelta. Yeah, he's with just, just chilling with the chilling, team. Chilling with the team. Chilling. Oh. Well, he is going with to the team next year. Anyway, yes. we, as we mentioned. But yeah. yes, uh, good good side note. Uh, more from the Vuelta. I suppose we'll have all the live stages in the next week, uh, Phil. That's we will, starting on Saturday night. Yep. Uh, A-E-S-T. And then bang, 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 bang. And we're going right through to Madrid. Uh, rest day, there will be a rest day on Wednesday. Um, so it's and it's all punchy. It's all punchy from there. Get on, get hold on to your right. hats. So stay in your seat. So last something. week will be a case of everybody chasing Aru and survival for those who race the tour. Yeah. All right. Well, we've got we'll uh, recap all of that next week. We'll have a couple of stages left to go, but uh, yes, the last eight stages will be live on SBS and check uh, guides for the details all on that. Until then. Let's continue on. Well, in Lausanne, Michael Rogers received his bronze medal. Vladislav Ekimov received the gold and Bobby Julic a silver medal. Uh, as all 2004 Olympic, uh, Olympic, uh, Athens Olympic time trial medals were reallocated. Uh, by the IOC. John Coates, I think, was on hand to give Michael his medal. But, I mean, it's 11 years on, isn't it, Phil? And uh, you got to ask... Why? As you, as, uh, wh- wh- <laughs> well, a, why? I suppose there's reasonable 
r- rationale there. But as you point out, there's a whole lot of flaws to reallocating medals uh, to guys like Ekimov, uh, like Julik, um, and it doesn't necessarily remove the stain of the fact that they've gotten rid of the guy who came first in that year's race, which was Tyler Hamilton. Okay, yep, we know what Hamilton did, but we also know what Ekimov and Julich did. (laughs) Oh, man. I I really... I would really like to get shouty. I I got shouty about this, but off off mic. And... um, uh, This is a pointless exercise. It's it's as pointless as uh, removing Lance's seven Tour de France wins. Mm. Um, When you look at the majority of his peers would look at that and just go, well, Lance... And we've heard... Riders from that era say that Lance won those tours. Yeah, right. So, you know, it's it's. I I I just think this is just a pointless exercise by officials. I'm sure Mick in the photos looked happy to accept the medal, right? He looked like he felt he deserved it. Um, that's a whole other question. Um, did he really? I don't know. Right. I mean, it's it's it's. I. This has got to stop. Right, it 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 it's over. It's eleven years. The event was run. We know what the history is. We know what happened with these riders. I mean, Eki is fingered as, you know, specifically by Floyd Landis, who I said in a blog about this is a very credible witness, right? And La- Floyd says, I saw Eki inject himself with a blood bag, right? Now I'm sorry, but it doesn't get any much. It doesn't get more obvious than that. Yeah. Right now. Eki might say... Aside from that, you got all the sort of innuendo about that. Yeah, 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 that's right. Unless Floyd injected Eki with the blood bag. Yeah, you know, it's like... I mean, Ekimov rode with Armstrong from 2000 to 2006. Yeah. When Lance won basic, won everything. And pretty much rode the tour with him every year. Every year, right? So, you know, it's like, you know, look, I'm sorry. And then we know Bobby Julek admitted that he doped in 98, but just that one time... God help us. Whatever, Bobby. Bobby. You know. Okay, I mean, Loser. I like these guys. I mean, don't don't get me wrong, man. I'm, I was there at mm-hmm. Sydney 2000 watching Eki, right? And watching Eki win uh, win gold at Sydney yeah. 2000, right? Ahead of Jan and Lance. Fourth. Vino, right? was it, v- maybe? Yeah, Vino. yeah. Vino was third. Yeah. yeah, that's right. You see what I mean? Oh, yeah. Right? Jan came second. Okay. All right. The- so, you know, okay. So you got uh, Eki wins, wins 2000. Right ahead of the Kaiser, right um, uh, and Vino, uh, Vino and Lance. Uh, I'm sorry, but you know, let's not uh, let's w- not. Would you say that was the cleanest race in history? <laughs> I still really enjoy. I've got such fond memories of the Sydney Games. Seriously, oh, I don't even care. I, I was in awe. I don't care, man. Like I'm all for retrospective testing. I'm just not for retrospective meddling. I, I was in awe of watching these guys go full gas up Bronte Road. In the yeah. big ring, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was right? it was and definitely like, remarkable. <laughs> <laughs> just uh, a kilometer away from my house at the time, I just loved it, man. Yeah. I, I still, I yeah, wish I was uh, a volunteer. Yeah, actually, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was living in Bronte. At, uh, what's that? Yeah, I was living at uh, no, I was living in Mar- Maruba at the time. Yeah, so just down the road as yeah. well. Yeah, yeah. But you know, it's like this. This one I'm talking about is like so we understand what the history is, hmm. right? And we look at these events and we just go, "But these are heavily qualified." But then you get an official like Coates with the AOC, basically doing this grubby scramble for medals post fact, right? Because that's the way I look at it. To me, it's just a grubby exercise, right? Because what does it matter? You win another bronze, or, or, or Russia wins another gold. You know, for for an event eleven years ago. I mean, this, this is nonsense. I suppose it's is the balance is between you want to. 
you want to reward guys. I mean, you know, let's just talk about this in an idealistic sense, and maybe even not even in this particular case. But you want to obviously reward guys that do the right thing, and that may mean that the reality is we know testing is often way behind where these guys are at. So you, if you want to reallocate things, it means that often you're going to have a test ten years down, or a testimony from someone ten years down the track. The flip side, of course, is that, um, as you said, Phil, uh, you get into these issues, you get into these real big problems with, okay, well, we've got three guys potentially, four guys, who knows how many guys are in that race who who did something wrong, and I don't know, it, it's hard to know what the exact answer is, though. I mean, like if we go, if we say now and we say ten years down the time, we have the same conversation about, uh, I don't know, London twenty twelve. Hmm. Um, what 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 would you think is that like I mean, surely you need to have I suppose a, a way to deal with these things going forward, uh, even if that's not ideal. No 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 no. To me, you just it's 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 the past. You recognize what happened and then you move forward. Mm. You just move on. Sorry, this happened, but no allocation of metals. Sorry. Yeah. Are you for well, retrospective testing though, or yes? Yeah. But do you think, so what about the stripping of medals? You don't even, would you agree with stripping of medals? pointless, pointless, because you're not going to get the money back either, are you? Mm. Right? This is the thing, okay? So you get a medal and, you know, you get, uh, but then you've got endorsements and, and uh, you, where, where do you start? I mean, if you're a clean athlete and you get done or, or some, you, you, you lose because somebody else doped and then 10 years after the fact, it comes out that they've doped because of, 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 of retrospective testing, Right? Are you going to get that money back? Mm. Right? I, I suppose to play devil's advocate, people would say that if you don't uh, provide a carrot like that to the clean athlete, it sort of implicitly encourages people to push the boundaries a little bit because it means that, well, ultimately you'll still get a gold medal and that's in, even in 10 years' time you can get on that you know gravy train and I don't know, I'm, I'm just playing yeah, devil's yeah, advocate. Yeah, yeah, and that's the thing. That's all we can do really is, is just throw these, throw these ideas out there. I mean, look, I'm, I'm on record as, 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 as um, believing in, you know, I'm a believer in transhumanism and you look at, you look at doping as, as part of this whole transhumanist future that we're headed to and like how much augmentation what do is, we accept. What's transhumanism, Phil, just for the... Gene doping, is well, it? Well, that's, that's part of it. Transhumanism mm. is about human beings transcending this, this, this container that we have here, right, and augmenting Our it, body. making it... That's right, and making it... <laughs> Uh, improving it, making it better, whether through uh, through like through medicine, like maybe, or as Anthony said, gene doping after the fact. Iron lungs, so to speak. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, no, look, look. Actually, Oscar Pistorius is a classic example here, where you where you've used um, um, a technological uh, evolution and revolution to to cause someone who is effectively disabled mm. to run unbelievably fast. Right, so it's like th this is a transhumanist uh, 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 thing, but we can say the same thing about uh, about doping, right? So these athletes are pushing the pushing the pushing these boundaries. So you get somebody like Justin Gatlin, for example, who who's just won two medals, three medals at the um, at the World Track and Field Championships, who's been done twice for doping. Yeah. Right now, you look at him now, and there are a lot of people saying, well, one of the reasons why he's running so fast so late in life is the fact that he has built himself up through doping throughout mm. his entire career. Mm. Now, what you're seeing there is a transhumanist result, mm. right? So part of me just kind of goes, this is where we're headed. 
right? Whether we, we augment ourselves physically with, a, with an actual object in the way Pistorius has done it, or we do it in the way that, say, somebody like Gatlin is, is, is alleged to have done. Yeah, or we get like those, you know, like the automatic scripters that like write news reports in the future. That'll be like the way the whole media goes anyway. Yeah. Uh, so you just have like, uh, you know, autofill uh, for the names. And then as soon as, and those are all implanted in the stories. And then as, and then that comes like all the names come from like a big database of like who finished first in the mm-hmm. results. And then when those results get changed, then the whole history gets automatically changed. That would be amazing, wouldn't it? That would be <laughs> Phil's new blog title, Autofill. Auto Isn't Phil. it funny, though, how Phil's talking about transhumanism, <laughs> which is a word I learned today from Phil, uh, that the humans are becoming more like machines and machines are becoming more like humans. Yeah, yeah. You know, look, because I, now the soon there'll be the... Well, there is, sorry, I shouldn't say soon, there is the driverless car. So there's this kind of like this point where the human... The, the human becoming like a machine and the machine becoming like a human will intersect. Every, everyone, and then you'll get... But how is a driverless yeah, car like a human? Uh, because you don't no, no longer need a human to drive the car. But how is it's the doing car a human... A human Action is driving it. It's driving the car. But you wouldn't necessarily say that driving a car is a human thing. Yeah, it is. Well, what do you call it? What do you call driving a car? It doesn't seem like a naturally innate instinct we, to drive we, a car. We've really digressed here. <laughs> I, I, look, I, I, can, I, can actually, I can actually talk about this. I can, I no, can no, talk no. about this all let's, day because I do, a tremendous, I do a tremendous amount of reading about this. So for me, doping is contextualized in that way. Okay. While at the same time, you know, I'm, I've got this dual-minded kind of thing, which is that at, the, the thing that bothers me about doping is hypocrisy, not the actual doping itself. Yep. Right? Uh, when you step back and you look at the evolution of human species and you see that we've always done this, we've always, we, you know, we've got apes who use sticks and, you know, I, I mean, we, we, we've always done this. We enhance ourselves. We do as much as we can. We all carry a mobile phone. What does a mobile phone do for you? Yeah. It enhances you. Yeah. Or Doping per se, though, so, is hypocritical, Phil, though, because, you know, they, they because it's done under the auspices of being, being a clean athlete. And, <clears throat> and so, and then there's the IOC and all these federations espouse virtues of fairness and mm. equality. And yet, you know, behind the, the, the curtain, you know, the, everyone's shooting up. Sure. Well, so that's, 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 that's a the fairly thing, that's, broad statement. <laughs> yeah, but let's let's just let's just put a caveat on that. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, that's no, right. Don't, alleged, don't, alleged. Yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. Um, but, he's allegedly shooting up. Yeah, but but that's the hypocr- nice. that's the hypocrisy. <laughs> that's the hypocrisy with all of this, and it's 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 the thing that makes me crazy. And but look, you know, the reality is, as athletes go into these events, and we have certain rules, and the rules say you should not be doing these things. So it is cheating, obviously. All right, let's uh, let's wrap that discussion up there, and finally get on to the Australian team for the Richmond World Championships. Well, after much anticipation, Australia has finally announced its team for the Richmond World Championships, and uh, lots of probably expected names among them. Simon Gerrans, Michael Matthews, the likely leaders of the men's elite road team. Uh, and in the women's team, well, uh, probably a, a co-leadership between the likes of Tiff Cromwell and Rachel Nalen. 
guys. Uh, also, some good names in the men's under 23, but we'll talk about that in a second. Uh, reasonable prospects of some rainbow jerseys amongst this lot, you'd have to say, Tanny. I mean, particularly in the men's team with Matthews Gerrans. I mean, to me, that, that sounds like a killer. You know. Sounds killer on paper, but I mean, Gero's had the pretty much the worst season <laughs> so of his due. career. So he's due. He's due. He's due a Wolds medal, is he? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, he's in. He's in form, not to perform. I think. Yeah. Uh, I, I'd be surprised. Although Gero, he can pick himself up quite quickly. Yeah, Matthew. For me, Matthews is the best bet. And from all accounts, from what they say, the Richmond course. Isn't super hard, mm, which will be good for Bling. I mean, it could yeah. be quite similar to San Remo. Uh, you know, some yeah. not too difficult hills, quite long. And uh, Michael Matthews did show earlier this yeah. year that he could he could do well at a race like that. Was he at third? Yeah, not as easy as a um, a Zolder or that one which Copenhagen, which Cavendish won. Uh, uh, after the two hundred fifty kilometer British team time trial. Yeah, <laughs> uh, so they won't be able to do that. But I think it will. It's it's not it's you know it's what well I mean two thousand meters of climbing or something if, all that. If you now analyze the the actual team they've got taking so it's Matthews, Gerrans, Clark, Hausler, McCarthy, Hanson, Heyman, Docker, and Sutherland. Uh, to me, it looks like you've got five in terms of Sutherland, Docker, Heyman, Hanson, and Jay McCarthy. Pretty much domestiques for the Flatlands. You've got Simon Clark as a bit of a breakaway specialist. You throw him up the road. Houseless surely is going to be kept with Matthews the entire race for the uh, the final sprint. And uh, Gerrans, well, you probably leave him if the race gets particularly selective. But you've got yourself covered for a few different options there, don't you? I mean, you like this team out. I, I do. You, I can I'm, tell you're getting. I'm salivating, really, mate. Yeah, I'm yeah. salivating. <laughs> That's good, man. Like because some people are getting turned off cycling with all these silly, farcical events. But you're you're in the you, zone. You're, are you turned off, Tanny? Yep. But you might be turned back on. Yep. When so to speak. Yeah. When the SBS live coverage starts. Because because there'll be like a there'll be like a naughty movie before. Yep. Yeah. I'll be going back to the world championships. Yeah, team. yeah. Um, so, Phil, <laughs> Phil, your thoughts? Michael Matthews, good chance for rainbows? Yep. Or? Yep. I think um, uh, I think the team <laughs> collectively has. They're only going to deliver one guy. Yep. At the finish. Yep. Right. So, in all likelihood, that will be Matthews. Um, so that's one possibility for a medal. Um, with the women, uh, I think again they're in the same situation of if they position a rider anywhere within the top 10 overall. I think that's been a success for the women. I think for the under 23, I think for the, sorry, the men's time trial with Rowan Dennis, I'm calling that one a gold. Wow. So because Dennis has been the best against the clock of any world tour rider this year. Uh, I know that Tony Martin is is there and and whatever, but really Dennis is on fire. You're gonna bet against the Panzer wagon. I'm gonna bet against the Panzer wagon. uh, That's right. He's he's been pretty Quiet. quiet yes that's right even though i expect that's, him to, I that's expect in him, a good way i yeah, mean i expect him to be there so but i think there's something about dennis this year this looks like that year if you know what i mean yeah um you mean him winning the world championships that's right yeah, yeah. so I, I can see them positioning themselves well for a medal in the road race i can see yeah. dennis winning the gold i can see the women uh winning or sorry uh getting a top 10 in the road race yeah it's entirely possible that they could medal uh in the time trial the women's time trial with um Oops. 
I hate it when this Kat, happens. Kat Garfoot. Uh, Catherine Garfoot. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So she's she's going to be racing the road and the time trial, which I think is is a, a terrific vote of confidence in her abilities. I know she's coming late to the sport, but she's incredibly strong. Uh, so there's an opp- opportunity there for for them to pick up a medal uh, in that. The under-23 men's road race um, with guys like Jack Haig on the team. They are missing Rob Power, but it's not necessarily his course. It's not necessarily Jack's course either. Well, but no. Power is... He's obviously got the knee injury, so... Yeah. But, but there's an opportunity there. Always with Australia in the under-23s, we're always in, in the game. Um, mm. Unfortunately, we don't have somebody like Caleb uh, Caleb Ewan to finish it off this year. No. Um, well, we, w- we would, but the World Tour prevents him from yeah, attending. Yeah, So, you know, all in all, I think, I think if Australia comes away from this World Championships with, say, a junior medal, uh, a couple of senior medals, um, and, and, and some top tens, yeah. Uh, in you know overall, I think I think if they if they walk away with three medals of various colors, it will have been successful. Especially when you consider how deep some of the other countries are across the board in men's women's, like the German women and men, for example, they're incredibly strong. Running yeah. out of time, uh, so. Phil. But uh, as you mentioned, Haig will be riding the under twenty three race, um, probably sort of as a co captain. We'll see, depending on how they play the race out. But. Uh, that's always a fantastic race to watch. Haig did finish second overall to Lavenir. We should mention that just this Sunday. Finished behind Mark Soler, the Spaniard. He's a Movistar rider. And uh, Matvey Mamiakin from Russia was third. Pretty solid result. Uh, really tough two stages to finish. Quite a fair, I think, was on the final stage, which was at the Tour this year. Um and to finish one minute nine behind a guy that's been riding in the World Tour all through this year is pretty bloody good. Uh, he follows, obviously, Robert Power, who finished second overall last year. So Australia's climbing stocks are looking very, very good. Yeah, I mean, that the last stage of Lavenir finish, it had four, I think it had four climbs in it, and there was it was three back-to-back mountain stages, so... Pretty vicious, yeah. That last stage had quite a fair. Also had Mont Vernier, that really squiggly climb they use at the tour. So uh, I I reckon, you know, Haig did as as good as he could have at Lavenier. But it's a, it's, a, it's a massive contrast to where we were probably 10 years ago when we were sort of going, we're espousing, you know, riders like Cam Meyer or, or Hepburn. Wes Salzburger. Or Wes Salzburger kind of doing reasonable rides and saying, oh, well, you know, we're not cut out for building these kind of riders. Suddenly, with power and, hey, two guys in two years, yeah. it just, I don't know. I mean, you start to go, well, Richie Port, fantastic, but these guys are the real deal, and they're looking very, very good very, very early in their careers. Yeah, I think, you know, with um, with Jack, I mean, we've known, we've known about Jack for a long time. Well, we've known about Rob Power for a long time as well. I mean, it's it's not like these guys are... Are surprised to us coming I mean, out of the woodwork. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So we've we've watched them from very young ages uh, develop, and we know how good Jack is. Um, I think, uh, and and obviously, Power is, is is similar. So look, it's it's not really a surprise though, because Tom Dumoulin is from the Netherlands. I mean, we've got uh, you know so many great Dutch climbers around uh, at the moment. You've got uh, Robert Hessink, who consi- continues to ride really well. Uh, you've got guys like Chalangi. And, uh, yep. you know, there's there's so many competent climbers. When you look at the Netherlands and you, you say, well, okay, the, the country's flat, mm. you know, and, and still they can produce. So it's just a matter of giving them the opportunities in Europe so that they can face these kinds of mountains against this kind of climbing quality. Yep. And, yep. you know, eventually the, some riders will prove themselves. Yeah, and it's just, I think it's, 
to find a Grand Tour contender, it's it's it just doesn't come around very often. So we we Australia and other countries may go through periods of drought, and then yeah, suddenly you do you do find unearth uh, two guys who may who may be there. So it's it's just how it works. I mean, it just goes to show there's only a less than five guys who can win a Grand Tour at at the moment in the mm-hmm. pro peloton. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. How long do you think it's going to take guys like Hagen Power to sort of to come on a bit in the world tour? Uh, six, seven years, mm. six to seven years before we actually know whether they can be a contender or not. Mm. So much, so much stuff can happen between now and then. I mean, you know, they're I, twenty years old, so yeah. I mean, or Powers that might have been nineteen. So they've got a long, they've got all these things, the complications, I suppose, that come at that sort of age. Things like motivation, you've got lifestyle things coming into the factor. You've got yeah. Uh, whether you're going to want to still be riding as much as you are, whether you, your body changes physically. You know, guys like... Uh, I remember having a conversation with Trent Wilson talking about how he used to be very lanky when he was 17 or 18. He used to be quite a good climber. And then he sort of hit 24 and he was totally different build and suddenly he couldn't climb for, yeah. to save his life. So, I mean, that all these sort of things can it, it, totally throw you up. It, it was interesting looking at the uh, looking at the podium at uh, Lavenir, mm. right? The, just looking at the, at the, the physiology. Jack was by far and away the tallest of the... Of the guys on the podium, mm. right, which was pretty interesting. But he looked he looked as lean as anyone else there. So I mean, I think that that's his natural build power. I'm not so sure about. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Having, he might be Arden guy. You yeah, know? that's right. Yeah. Whereas Jack, I think, looks a little bit more like a regular, mm. like a regular tall climber. He just looks very very naturally lean. Yeah. Like very low body fat type of body. Yeah. Um, but uh, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, guys, that'll wrap it us up. Tanny, pleasure. Solid, thank you, Al. Um, get motivated, mate. Just feel a bit, feel the energy. You no, know, I, I am just being around you guys. Actually, no, I feel better now. Like, and this all the talk about transhumanism, <laughs> if I can pronounce it. Uh, this is that, your weekly therapy that's session. Me food for thought. Uh, I'm sorry, sorry to you know take you guys off in such an esoteric path, but you know, yeah. right, uh, rise yeah. of the machines. Yeah, um, could be a movie title. Is it already the term? Yeah, it's already. A yeah, movie okay, title. it's already. <laughs> Okay, uh, guys, uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, you can find Cycling Central on Twitter at Cycling Central. Tanny's at Anthony underscore Tan. Phil's at Philip underscore Gomes. And I'm Al underscore Hines. This podcast is also available directly on SoundCloud and on iTunes. Uh, check it out there or, or not. Listen, hope, hope you enjoyed it. We'll see you again next week. Thanks very much.